Good morning again. Today, wanna, we've been in Romans, and uh, Pastor Randy last week dove into a topic a little bit. He, he talked about loving and obeying, and you know, the Lord has really impressed this concept even deeper into my heart this week, and so I want to share from that perspective and I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11 starting at the first verse Deuteronomy I'm going to read through verse 12 to start and a reading from the ESV just so just so you know You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His rules, and His commandments always. And and consider today, since I'm not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand and His outstretched arm. His signs and His deeds that He did in Egypt to Pharaoh the king of Egypt and to all His land. And what He did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and to their chariots. How He made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you. And how the Lord has destroyed them to this day. And and what He did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. And what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, son of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. You shall therefore, and notice the therefore, you shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong. And go in and take possession of the land that you're going over to possess. And that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring. A land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. Where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like the garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain water by the rain from heaven a land that the lord your god cares for the eyes of the lord your god are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year let's pray father today i pray first and foremost Your will be done. Because this is your word. You've given it to us. And we know nothing of it except by your Holy Spirit. You make it clear. And I know that I know nothing of it except what you have taught by your Spirit. What you plainly have made understood. So we are... So much indebted to you. Because from you comes everything. 
and without you, we would be nothing. Without you, there is nothing. So make your word to be quick to our hearts and our minds today. May your spirit speak to us through these things. And draw us up to you. And draw us out of ourselves. And into your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. So previously in Deuteronomy, you hear a little bit of Moses sharing with them a little bit of the history. Where they came from and fleeing from Egypt and the Red Sea and and all that God did. But previous to this, he went through a whole history of the wilderness life. What it was like to live in the wilderness and all of the things that they went through and all that God brought them through. And the reason that he is doing this and the reason we have this is because Moses is about to hand the mantle of leadership of God's chosen people over to Joshua. He's led them for 40 years through the wilderness. He's led them for 40 years. Now, Carrie and I have been married 35, 36 yeah, 36. I had a, like, I am how old? Okay, 36 years. And to imagine leading a people through a wilderness for 40 years. I mean, there's a lot there. I mean, there's a lot of context. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of. When, when you think of the distance between Egypt and the promised land. It's this far. Like, like we could travel that. If you think about us traveling that, you know, just jump in a dune buggy and we're there. 40 years it took them to go that far. Just this little distance. Because they wouldn't go in. And it wasn't because they wouldn't didn't desire to go in. They, they wouldn't. And why would they not go in? Because they wouldn't obey what God said. They just would not obey. They kept, no, we've got a better way. I want to do we want to do things differently. Now I don't like Moses. He's weird. Or he's different or he's old. I don't know. What whatever it was, there was something that they always had a problem with what God was saying to do. And so, they weren't going to get to go into the promised land. And they wandered in that wilderness for 40 years because they were stubborn and obstinate and they just wouldn't do what God wanted them to do, what He told them to do. And Moses is telling them this right now. And he's not going to get to go in either. He's not going to get to go into the promised land either. Because of his disobedience. Because he wouldn't do. He struck the rock when God said, I don't want you to do it that way. The only one who was going to go in was Caleb. One guy in his family. 
out of all of that were the, the only one who was going to walk into the promised land and see it and stand in it because he had been obedient to God. He had been a man who followed God, did what he said, no matter what it took, no matter what it felt like, no matter what it sounded like. The Word of God is the Word of God. Let's do this. Moses was going to see the promised land, but not go in because of his disobedience. This is his context for the instructions that we're going to follow. So when you hear these next instructions that he's going to give, here's the context. I'm going to get to see it. I can't go in. None except Caleb who have come with me in this 40 years across the wilderness are going to get to go in because of disobedience. He was feeling the weight of the victory God's children are about to experience and the weight of his disobedience and the disobedience of those who were not going to get to see it. And he was also feeling the weight of the warnings that he's about to give them. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 13, we'll carry on a little bit. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And He will give you grass in your fields for your livestock. And you shall eat and be full. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and He will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, and when you're walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in a land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all the com- this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all His ways and holding fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon. And from the river, the river Euphrates, to the western sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread as he promised you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing 
If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. Do you hear what he's saying about putting the word in front of you? He was saying, like, it wasn't just like, and just write these things down and take note. He was saying, put it everywhere. Everywhere. In every context that you're in. In every situation. In every place. Put these words before you. And he starts with the ones that speak of honor the Lord. Obey Him. Write His words on the doorposts. Put them between your eyes on your forehead. Write them on your hands. Speak them to your kids. Say this over and over again. Now, do you, like me, hear the weight of what Moses was feeling? He, he was called the greatest prophet in Scripture. And do you hear him saying things that come from a context of, I'm not going to get to go in. Because I wouldn't listen. I'm not going to see the blessings of God because I wouldn't do what He said to do. I just had to do it my way because I got mad. Just had to do it my way because it just something frustrated me. Something didn't feel good at the moment. So I just had to do it. My way, and I'm not going to get to go in, and I'm telling you all the things you're going to possess. I, I can see them. And then the Bible talks about later on, you'll read about, in the, if you get to the end of Deuteronomy, you see, it wasn't like Moses was an old man crippled and, you know, leaning on a staff, thinking about, well, it's okay that I'm not going to make it because good night anyway. I'm about to go right now. No, he was 120 years old when he died. And the Bible says his eyes did not dim from old age, nor had he lost his vigor. Like, physically, he was ready to go in. But all he got to do was look at it because he wouldn't obey. All he got to do was stand up on a mountain and observe it. So do you hear and feel what I hear in here? The weight of this on him. And the warning that he was giving. Obey what the Lord says. Obey these commandments that I'm giving you. Obey his word and follow it. If you want to see. If you want to see his blessings. Yes, you're about to go in and possess this land. But the blessing wasn't just the stuff. It wasn't just land and resources. It was a place that God provided for them. The scripture talks about he prepared and watched over this land. 
Did you hear that in the description early on? It's like he prepared and he watched over this land. This was a special place. And I hear, when I hear that, I hear hints of Eden. Do you not hear little hints of Eden? The Garden of Eden, it was a place that he prepared and he put men in it to tend it. He put them in that spot. He had looked over, he created it, he built it for them. And do you not hear, when he's saying these things, I'm setting before you, in verse 26, it's not, it's not going to be up there, but see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. I'm setting before you today a choice. Here, a choice. Obey or disobey. And I hear him saying over this people, Something that sounds really familiar from the Garden of Eden and the first charge to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And I hear hints of that. God looking over a promised land and offering that to them. He watched it. He set him aside for that, and he was going to take him into that to possess it and own it. But he was setting before them that same concept of choice. Obey or disobey. And he wasn't just saying, just obey or disobey and go. He was saying, no, now write down all this stuff. Like, keep it in front of you. Keep it in front of you all the time. Keep it in front of your kids. Talk about it. Think about it. Put it on the walls. Like y'all get that, right? How many you got you buy the things from Hobby Lobby or wherever? Not an advertisement for Hobby Lobby, but you buy that and so it's like these stickers and you smear it up there and it's got these verses and you put it on the wall. Or maybe you're like beyond that and you actually stenciled it. Or maybe you're beyond that and you actually hand painted, you know, with calligraphy the verses. That's the concept. It's like put it up there. Remind them all the time that there's a choice between blessing and cursing. And again, it's not about the stuff. The stuff is a benefit of obeying God. The blessings, the goodness, it's a benefit of being in right relationship with God. Those things flow out of obeying His Word. Now, interestingly enough, that people that don't even know God at all will do things in obedience to what God's Word lays out, and they are blessed. Have you seen it? Like, they know a blessing. They have wealth, they have... uh, Big families, they have a lot of stuff because they they put into practice things that are just, they're God's stuff. He put They put those things into practice. And the sad part about all that is that when it's over and done for them, it is over and done forever and it's not pleasant. But if we know this stuff, how much more then? How much more then should we put into practice what His Word says? How much more should we see 
the blessings of God that He gives because we have been obedient to His Word. And I know maybe, just maybe, we're a little bit afraid of that because we've heard and seen the prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. It is not the gospel. The good news is not more stuff for you. The good news is right relationship with God. And out of that right relationship flows all kinds of blessings. And those blessings are whether I have a bunch of stuff in my hands or not, He's good. Right? We say that. We end every, every Sunday for, I, can't, I don't even know how far back, but God is good all the time. So, having or not having stuff is not the issue. But finding those blessings, finding those good things, finding that good stuff is about obedience to the Word of God and what it says. And so in this context, in this context, Moses is telling them, you're going in to possess a land. God has looked over it. He watches over it. It is going to be fruitful and it's going to provide for you for as long as there is life on this earth. That's how much provision that God has here in this place. If you will just obey. Now, if you've kind of paged ahead a little bit, I think it would be safe to say they blew it. Right? Can we say they blew it? And then they were kicked out. And then they were brought back. And they were kicked out. You, there's a pattern here, right? Where they will not obey what God says and then get out of here. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's reminiscent too. Go back a little bit. Garden of Eden. Right? It would not obey and you're out. Booted, yeah. Booted. All over chapter 11 here is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. There's a, an expression, no other gods before me. Well, it's really no other gods besides me. Like there is no other God you're going to put here in my place. I am God. That's it. All the other gods are not gods at all. They're actually tyrants that would see you destroyed. And so after this message is given, the first commandment that he talks about is the commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He reiterates that first commandment to them. And the first thing he tells them to do, the first command is tear down the altars to the false gods. That's the first thing he says. You're going to go in to this land. You're going to dispossess its owners of this land. And I will drive them out in front of you. Like, I will drive them out in front of you. You just go into it. When you get there into this place, in my place that I've watched over, there have been idols set up. 
They've been altars to false gods. The first thing you're going to do is get rid of all the altars. Get rid of all the things that that look like they're worshiping anything but me. You're going to rid the land of this. Wipe it out. I want it cleaned of anything that says we worship God in these other things. There is no other. It's going to be your first command to go and do that. And when we talk about, we talk about, you know, gods and idols. We talk about that in our time, but we make it more figurative, right? We do. We tend to make it more, well, you know, your God could be your car, your truck, or you could be your house. Your gods could be your kids. You got, there, there's so much more to this than that. There just is. To bring that, um, out of the symbolic and figurative, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Some of these things that they worshipped as gods was them. It was them. It was the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. It was those who were fallen angels. Now, we don't live in that world, and we can't see that world, and I am grateful to God that we can't. A lot of conversations down through the years, if we could see what was going on around us, it would blow our minds. I think it would be fearful. And I know this because every time an angel of God, one of the good guys shows up. The first thing he says isn't like, hello. It's fear not. Because they see them and hit the ground because they're like, whoa, this is overwhelming. This is overwhelming. Just this sight, this personage, I don't know, but this is overwhelming. They hit the ground, fear not. I bring you good tidings, fear not, I've come to speak things. So, if the good guys spark fear and men want to worship them, don't you think that the bad ones are looking for worship too? And so their worship wasn't just, you know, willy-nilly, well, they don't know what to do, so they just pretend to make up stuff. It rained. Oh, the God of rain. Oh, they want to have kids. Oh, the God of this and that. And the goddess is in the, no, 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 no. Really believe that a lot of their pagan rituals and everything were founded in they were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping the fallen ones. They were worshiping them because they saw they had some power and they just worshiped that. And we... We were made to worship. We were made for that. But when our worship is put in anything but the God who created us and gave us life, nothing but bad will come of it. The science, the science of men. Uh, naturalist, naturalistic evolution, pop psychology, and the like have been the self-worshipping placeholders 
for old-fashioned paganism and pantheism. Like, it used to be we're in an age of science, so we just kind of pushed all that God stuff off to the side. Oh, we go to Africa or see these other countries, you know, these third world dark places, and they still have the woo-woo and the witch doctors, and they still worship all this stuff, and they still go after those, but we live in an age of science and enlightenment. We don't go after this kind of stuff. We just look empirical at the data, and we see these things. Um, anybody watch anything about UFOs lately? Like, have you seen the insanity that's coming out of that? It, it used to be, you know, those who were just bent on evolution, and it's like, well, it's an evolved species from another planet who's followed the same process of evolution and blah, 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 and everything else. But there's some voices out there who are inviting this stuff in. It's like, well, you have to set up these connections with them through an astral plane of some sort and just invite them in. And you see all these spectacles and you see all these things and it's like, wow, they all look the same. They all sound the same. Oh, it looks like the devil. It looks like fallen angels. It looks like that same weird stuff. That's interesting, isn't it? So I find that all that stuff is just a placeholder for us returning to just outright paganism. Outright pantheism. Multiple gods in multiple places. We invite these spirit entities from someplace across some astral plane. Come on, you, you don't have to go very far. You look around, if you've seen any of the Marvel movies and the, and the multiverse, and there's all these different universes and they all run parallel. It's like, that's just invitations for us to let our minds go into a space that is anything but God created it. I'm going to back up. Come on down. We were made to worship God. In our rebellion, we'll worship anything and everything but Him. We will worship His creation, whether it be the Spirit, angelic, fallen, whatever. We will worship anything and everything but Him. We will worship buildings and spaces. We will worship our wealth. We will worship anything. We were made to worship. But in our rebellion, we will run toward worshiping everything, anything and everything but Him. So out of that we come to this. Love and worship and obedience, they all go together. Love, worship, obedience, they all go together. What you worship, you love. What you worship, you'll obey. What you love, you'll worship. What you obey, you're worshiping. What you obey, you're loving. First John. First John four, seven through five five. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation, the appeasement, the satisfaction of God's wrath towards sin. He sent His Son to be the satisfaction of His wrath against sin. Any and all of it. Anything that goes against what God planned, designed, created, made, anything that goes against that, any idea, concept, construct, whatever, that goes against what God designed and created, that's sin. We just throw sin out there, and like, that's a sin, that's a sin. You know, Oh, if you throw your shoe someplace, oh, that's a sin. If we find everything, we just start creating these things and calling them sin because I don't like what you're doing. It's a rule, it's a regulation. I don't like what you're doing, I'm going to call it sin. Oh, that's sinful. That's a sin. That's a sin. But, but what we need to look at is what does the Word say sin is? Not what are our rules and what are ideas or our concepts of what sin is. We need to look at what the Word says sin is. And sin is anything that flies in the face of God's creation and His plans and His order and His design. Anything that flies in the face of that, that's what you call sin. Not based on our preferences or likes, what works in our house or works in our building or works in our space. No. What God's Word clearly, plainly states, that, that is what we call sin. And Christ was the appeasement of God's wrath against those things sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us his, of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. Man, do you hear this back and forth? He's abiding in us, and we're abiding in Him. This, is, this, this much is the love of God. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. Are you hearing that? so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. Not will be, but so also are we in this world. Active, now, not tomorrow, not in eternity. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you hear victory in that? Do you hear life and hope in that? Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you hear the great commandment in that passage? Like, do you hear the words all around the great commandment? Jesus gave it, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And do you not hear this woven into everything? Do we not hear it in the Ten Commandments that God laid out? They start with our relationship to Him and how we obey Him and how we set Him above every other thing, whether on the earth or above the earth or outside of the earth. We set those things, we set Him above all of those things. And then the loving your neighbor as yourself, that follows in the rest of those. So you do hear those two. And Jesus said rightly, because he wrote it. Because he wrote it. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. He wrote it. And then in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. We'll hear his exemplary obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That the... You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. The promise of the Holy Spirit coming, 
And he dwelt with them because the Spirit of God was upon Jesus. So they, they know him because he's they know him because he's here. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. One more time. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. You hear somebody say, I lo- oh, I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. But they're not obeying the obvious commands of Scripture. Just the obvious, like straight out there ones. Steal, lie, covet, adultery, whatever. They don't love Jesus. Okay? They don't love Him. Oh, they may feel warm and fuzzy about the concept of what Jesus did. But they don't know that from personal relationship with Him. They're not, they don't belong to Him, and they don't obey His commandments. And He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. I will make clear and evident and obvious who I am to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to Him, Lord, how is it? that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Listen to this. The ruler of of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. He says, rise, let us go from here. He said, so we've spoken of enemies, they have no claim on Christ. The enemy, the accuser, he had no claim. He's coming, right? He's coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Do you hear? 
Jesus obeying every command. He knew what was coming. He grieved in the garden over the cross that was coming. And not just being nailed to wood, and not just the the shame of that position in society or in the world hung up as a criminal. No. He knew He was taking all of our sins on Him. And it's a weight that none of us could bear. It's a weight that He bore But it wasn't a walk in the park. He became sin who knew no sin. That we might be declared His righteousness. I'm sorry. But the thought of me having to stand before God for my sins frightens me. It just does. I've walked in this space and walked in this world. I've seen my temper at times. I've seen my stupidity, shamefully, way too many times. The thought of facing that and what he did, but he did it because the Father commanded him to. And he was obedient. How many things do we have commands of Scripture that tell us to go and to do and, and to be and, and to walk this way? And we just don't do them because they make us uncomfortable. They might be socially awkward a little bit. Someone might say something. We might get a bad review somewhere. You know, there might be a post someplace that someone says, I hate all your ways, you're so stupid. Well, they'd say that about everything. So I don't know why we're worried about that, but we do. His obedience was exemplary. 1 John 2, 1-6 through 6. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. There's that word again, that appeasement of God's wrath against sin. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. How did Jesus walk? He walked in obedience to the commands of the Father. He asks no less of us, but He has given us not a helper, but He's given us the helper, His Holy Spirit. And I will make Paul's appeal to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Very, I'm, I'm, 
I know familiar, and we're coming up on Romans 12 in, in what uh, Pastor Andy's preaching. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Your commands, do we not hear some of the Psalms, your commands are perfect. Your decrees, perfect. Your judgments, perfect. And what does that living sacrifice flow from? From the verses before, because there's a, I appeal to you, therefore. So, Romans 11, 33-36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His ways and how inscrutable His ways. His ways past finding out, other translations say. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Is, is that not worship? Does that not ring of worship? So we hear that love and worship and obedience all come together. They all come together. Not worship as a music genre. My heart was sickened when I, when I saw that happen. Bands start singing back in the day. They start singing some worship music. They just sing worship songs that they probably have in their church. And it was not like, oh, that's evil. No, it was good things. But then someone said, oh, there's money to be made here. They, these Christian people, they love that stuff. Everybody do one. Everybody make a worship album. And then we're going to start this whole new style, this whole genre. We're going to call it worship. Okay. I'm not going to say it's, and it's all evil. No, I mean, there's good stuff in there. There is. But there's a lot of discerning that has to go on because also mingled in with that is worshiping exactly who are we worshiping here? Because it sounds like me. I mean, it sounds like I'm worshiping me. It doesn't sound like I'm worshiping God. It's, not, it's, all, it's not starting to sound like it's about me instead of about Him. I don't know if this is worship anymore, or at least not what God calls worship. I worship and endure myself and my feelings and my emotions and my my journey and my future and my hope. I, I worship and adore. I'm backing up. Just backing up. Our living sacrifice flows from worship. And we are not a dead sacrifice. We are living sacrifice. And what is the sacrifice then? It's not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Because that was Jesus' sacrifice when God said, I will send you to the cross to pay for their sins. And he went to the garden and said, if there is any way that this can pass from me, then Lord, you're the only one that can do that. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
and he was obedient to death on the cross before the whole world bearing sin and shame. Obedience. And it was his worship to God. I want to leave you with a big picture. In Eden, he told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, go expand this garden into the wilderness that's still outside. Go from this place and fill the earth and subdue it. And they said, nah. I mean, that just sounds kind of like cynical and harsh. It's true. They just said, no. I mean, yes, there was temptation was there, but the devil was the first one to go, nah, I don't think so. Nope. I'm going to gather friends. You want to serve yourself? There's a bigger kingdom. If you just do it, just grab it, take it. It's yours. Choice is yours. Come on. Did you see? It's good. Doesn't it look good? Well, yeah. Now that you mention it, it does look like it might be rather tasty. I think I'd rather go your way, my way, than God's way. And here we are. Time passes, and in Jerusalem, in, in, in not just Jerusalem, but in Israel, the, the promised land. Fill this promised land with love, worship, and obedience. Fill it with that. I, I've watched over it and I've given it to you. And there's a choice that lays before you. Do evil or do good. And I've defined evil. And I've defined good. It's not like you're just going, I don't know what they are. They're defined, very well defined. Just do them. And they said, nah. And in light of that, in light of that, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Familiar verses I know again. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You caught that part, right? All authority. In heaven? And earth. Go, therefore, because I've got all this authority, heaven and earth, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In a figure of speech, and I've toned it down a little, but the backsides have been kicked and the names have been taken. Y'all can explain that to others if they need it. He kicked them and he took names. When Jesus said it is finished, 
Was it just for our little old sins and our little old stuff? It's all mine. It is all mine. When he resurrected, he said, it's all mine. Everything, heaven and earth is mine. Go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore into this world. Perfect love casts out fear. He's given us His perfect love. No more cowering in the corner someplace. All the sweet little Christians just, you know, stay over there in your little box and just do that little thing. And it's cool. Matter of fact, if you want to have giant boxes where you just sing big songs and have big gatherings, go for it. Just stay out of the rest of this stuff because, you know, that's politics, that's business, that's, that's the world, that's that kind of stuff. So, I guess, in effect, then Jesus just owns this. So, as long as we're here, this is what Jesus has. This is His right here, His kingdom right here in this little space, right? Right? Wrong? Am I wrong? Of course I'm wrong. All authority. In heaven and on earth. Jesus is Lord today of this earth. Now we can look around and say, yeah, but it doesn't look like He's Lord because look at that. And look at this and look at that and look at this. We are supposed to be fruitful and multiply. That doesn't just mean have a bunch of kids. Though it could. But it means that the Word of God implanted us is like a seed that grows into a tree and a lot of people take shade in that tree. And the seeds fall off into the soil and other trees grow up and it begins to populate the world. No more cowering in the corner. We are soldiers under command. We are on the one side. We won. The battle is won. The war is won. It's won. It's over. It's done. What is yet to be seen is His triumphal return when it's all said and done. He's like, and that's the last of it. And I am coming down to be in this spot and make all things new. But in the meantime, while you're waiting on me, fill the earth with my gospel. Fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We are on the one side now and forever. And I do not want to stand someplace off to the side while God is saying, go! And go, nah. Because I kind of see where that ends up, right? I kind of see where that goes. Everybody that went, nah. uh, They didn't make it. Now is not the time to be quiet. Jesus is Lord of all Every sphere of life now and forever from the resurrection on.
there is not one speck of this earth that Jesus cannot say, mine. Every speck. Now, whether that speck acknowledges that or not, as a matter of fact, I think the rocks and the trees, they all cry out in our place. Is, that, is there a sense of that we hear? The rocks cry out the glory of God. The only thing missing from that is people acknowledging that. And how do they come to acknowledge that? By our work and our deeds and our stuff? No, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, who has the Holy Spirit? Oh, us. Well, by the command of God, then they, they follow. Who has them? We do. Whose kingdom is this? Do we believe that this is His kingdom forever and ever? Do we believe that it's bigger than this room? And bigger than our gathering? And bigger, bigger than our spaces or our little homes and our little world where we create, where we have all the right things in there? It is bigger. He's, he owns it all. And he's told us to go. And it's not just, okay, well then go across the world. That might be. That might be. But you also go to Walmart. You also go to jobs. Uh, you might go to Zoom meetings. It doesn't matter. You're there. You might go traipsing all over southern Illinois. That would be me. In boiler rooms and on rooftops with some pretty foul characters here and there. The gospel is going to go out there in those places. What does it mean? You throw out a soapbox and stand up on it and start preaching the gospel to these people. Might be some time for that. Might be some time to not just kind of cower back in the corner. Well, I don't really want to offend, you know. I'll just let my life show that, you know. They'll see the gospel by the way I live. No, they won't. This world has become deaf to the words of the gospel. The, the Christian culture has faded. And we are the ones who should bring it back. We should bring back a Christian culture where the word of God is heard a lot. Because what do we believe? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation. So start learning, all of us, start learning how to tell the gospel story in figures and words that show people, hey, there's something else besides this mess that you're living. There's something else besides this false that you're living. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And bring that back to this nation who once had it and lost it and had it and lost it. Why? Because it belongs to Jesus. It does. This does. Not just the United States. This whole world. So let's not be afraid. Let's go preach the gospel. Let's be obedient. Let's be obedient to that call, but also let's be obedient to the love God, the whole heart, and love your neighbor as yourself, and all that that means. And I know, briefly, that this world has softened that word 
love and just made it emotional, warm feelings and all that kind of stuff. But love sometimes is hard. Love sometimes is a little bit harsh. Love sometimes is a little bit loud. Because what parent would let their little kid run into a busy street and go, well, I hope that works out okay for him. But would you not go grab him by the belt or whatever you can get a hold of and yank him back away from that? And even if they go, oh, 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 you're hurting me. You make me feel bad. I wanted to go do the thing I wanted to go do. It's like, yes, you wanted to die. Because that's where you were going. That's our kids. We see that. I love the church. I love the people. So somebody else's kids, I'm going to go like, well, good luck with that. Would I? Would you? I hope that works out for them. Look at the kids going to run out in the street. Where's the parents at? Oh, they're messed up over there somewhere. Oh, well. Should have been taught. No, you'd go grab that kid and pull him out. I don't care if you sue me. I just saved your life. I don't care if you don't like me. But I've showed you, you're going to die if you step into this. That is love. It's not afraid to step out and say, you are going to go to hell, be eternally separated from God, apart from His work in you, and you have to see that you are a sinner in need of salvation. That sounds so hateful, but it's not. It's love. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, and I know There is so much and so many things that you would say. And so I pray that you take the words that your word has clearly spoken and stir our hearts to your will and purposes. Stir our hearts to go. Stir our hearts to be obedient to your word. Stir us to be strong and courageous. To not be afraid, to not be discouraged. For you'll be with us wherever we go. By the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray today as we stop this moment in time. That your words resonate in our hearts. Again and again and again. Make us alive to your words and obedient. And may we experience your perfect love that casts out our fear, a fear of failure, a fear that, fear that we've already failed, a fear of what we've failed in the past to do, repeating itself. Let your perfect love give us boldness to continue living and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world, that they may know you to the glory of God the Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.